uh, going and uh, start speaking about what we're going to do. We're going to let some of the kids go and do kids' church stuff. Stuff, important stuff. They're laughing at me. Any of my kids would laugh at me. There you go. Let's pray. Let's come into this space and just ask to, for Jesus to be with us, just to lift us on high, to give us that understanding of Scripture that we can have only from the Holy Spirit be upon us. A gracious, loving God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit be upon us now. Be upon me as I bring these meditations to you. Be upon each and every one of us as we have heard your word. But Lord, speak to us now through your words, through my words. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to shuffle some things around so I can... Have a look over here. I want to ask you a question. What was your expectation when you came to church this morning? What were you expecting? Great music, praising the Lord. Did anybody have any else, any other expectation? Sermon, fellowship, learn something. They're all fantastic things. Anybody thought that maybe they you know, were expecting morning tea? Coffee, cake, biscuits, those kind of things. Do, do, we, do we fellowship, catching up with friends? Uh, when you came, what kind of worship were you expecting? Leading up to Easter. Worship leading up to Easter. Isn't that amazing? Were you expecting the songs that you've heard so far? Were you expecting the prayers that you've had? Were you expecting things to be different or the same? Were you excited? That's a good question. Were you excited coming to church this morning? Or was it just another day with all of the things that have to be done? Were you overjoyed? Were you ready to really and truly worship Jesus Christ? Were you ready to throw everything into the wind and let the Spirit of God move upon you to worship in spirit and truth? Has anybody gone, yes? Because that's what we should be saying. When we come to this point, we should be saying, yes, that's what I want, to worship in spirit and truth. We're going to actually have a look at um, worship in the Palm Sunday style. So we're going to have a look at what this scripture passage has for us. We're going to focus on it. We're going to focus on how the disciples interacted, some of the teachings that we could have, especially about what we, how we should enter into worship and some of the functions that we do as a church. But I want us to jump back. Jump back to the time to the Passover, the Passover festival in Jerusalem. This is where Jesus was coming to. It's one of three festivals or feasts. And it, you may remember that a couple of uh, uh, weeks ago we talked about that Easter is a movable feast. There's time to come together and celebrate and it moves around because of the lunar cycle rather than our Gregorian sun-based calendar. But it's one of three feasts in Jerusalem each year which every Jewish male over 20 years of age are actually required to attend. Pilgrims were jammed into that city. And you know, it's estimated that in Jerusalem at that time, between about two to two and a half million Jewish pilgrims travelled to commemorate that great deliverance of 
and it's commemorating the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. And the Passover lamb was sacrificed there as a remember and a memorial to the Spirit of God passing over the firstborn of Israel, the final plague. And they estimate that, do you know, lots of lambs were killed at that time as part of the sacrifice, sacrificed. Somewhere between 200 to 250,000. That's a lot, isn't it, when you think about it? It is. A lot of lamb roasts. <laughs> but there's, you know, but there's one lamb that we need to actually take account of, and that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That is Jesus Christ. And that's what we come and we worship and we celebrate. See, Jesus is the Messiah. And if we're talking and we're looking at Matthew's Gospel, it is that got that Jewish heritage and trying to display to those who have Jewish background that Jesus was the son of David, was the Messiah, was the begotten son of God. Palm Sunday, which is today, it was a good day. It was a great day. It was a great day to be in ministry. It was a great day to be Jesus because it's about the only day in his entire earthly ministry that he received widespread public acclamation. He received worship that he was so truly worthy of. He was worshipped in a, as a long-awaited Messiah, as the Son of God, God made flesh. I want you to imagine this morning what our church would be like if we really worship Jesus in the way that we were meant to worship him, in a way that would please him, in a spirit and truth, in every aspect of our life, whether we worship Jesus. What kind of difference would it make in our lives? What kind of difference would it make within our fellowship of believers? What kind of difference would it make in our church? What kind of difference would it make in the community and the world if we really came and worshipped Christ as they did all those years ago on that Palm Sunday? Throw it to abandon. It'd be revolutionary. We would worship Jesus by obeying him completely. We would worship Jesus by loving others impartially. And we would praise Jesus wholeheartedly. And people would want to know about this person who we are praising. They want to know what's so special about Jesus. See, often what happens is that in churches we... You know, and especially in very traditional churches, we cut down palm branches and we put them around the, the area. We might even reenact the whole scene. And I know that we've done this in the past. And we've do I've done it in other churches that I've been at. We always haven't used a donkey. It might have been a, a, a tricycle or a, a push bike or whatever, and we'd lay you know, their clothes on the ground and we'd have some palm branches put on there and everybody would walk around and we'd possess in and we might even be singing hallelujah, hosanna, 
and to the highest, but I didn't want to do that today. I wanted us to focus on how we would worship every week. How we would bring this every week behaviour and reflect on what it would be to truly worship Jesus. So Jesus was coming into Jerusalem with his entourage, and I say entourage as, as, as his disciples and all those people who were following him. And they weren't all believers. They were people wanting to see a miracle. They were people wanting to have a miracle. And they came to a small village on the outskirts of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Bethphage, which means the house of unripe figs. Wouldn't you like to be called a house of unripe figs? Wouldn't you rather have ripe figs, you know, ready to go, ready to eat? But, you know, that's what it is. It's kind of located on the eastern side of the Mount of Olives. And this is where Jesus interacts with his disciples. This is where as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone asks anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. See, what do we learn from this very first part in Matthew's Gospel? The first part of this piece of scripture. He told them to go into the village opposite them. They'd find a donkey with a colt next to her, untie them, bring them to him. And he told them if anyone asks them what they are doing, then they were to tell them that the Lord actually needs them. And that's actually precisely what happened. In this account, and this is such a special account, this is such an important account, it's actually recorded across all four Gospels. In the account in Luke's Gospel, which is in Luke 19, it tells us that the owner asked them what they are doing. And they answered exactly as Jesus had told them. And they were allowed to take the donkey and her colt, a colt upon which no one had ever sat. And according to the Gospel of John, that is what has happened. Now, it's actually, you know, we, we think, oh, well, yeah, let's just borrow a horse or a donkey and a colt. But it's a significant loan. Donkeys were the means of transportation at that time and, and a luxury at that. Most people carried it themselves. It might like somebody, a complete stranger coming up to you and going, can I borrow your car? Actually, it's not for me, it's for my boss. Would you let a complete stranger come up to you and ask for your car and you just give them the keys and go, yes, the Lord requires it, there you are. I know a few people are giggling because we, we go, no, that's not what we do. We're really possessive of what we have. But this is a big request. And you can see the Spirit of God is working through there because the owner gives it over. See, this gives us a first example 
of what I want to bring to you today. So if we worship Jesus appropriately, as he deserves, we're actually going to worship him in him implicitly and we're going to obey him, we're going to trust him. That is so important. When we worship in trust of Jesus, when we worship in abeyance to Jesus, our faith increases so much more. See, the disciples, they walked by faith. They, Jesus gave them a command to go and do something. And they went out, they trusted Jesus, and they did as he said, and it came to fruition. It's the same when we come to worship. We should be coming with an attitude of trust, with an attitude of obeying Jesus' commands for our lives. See, when we walk by faith, we don't do it by sight. We don't necessarily say, I know where everything is going to be. We don't walk by feelings. We don't go by our hearts. We go by the wisdom and the truth of Christ. When you came to worship today, I want to ask this question, did you come trusting Jesus and ready to obey Jesus' command in your life completely? a big question were you ready to do that and so the donkey was brought and Matthew as he recollect you know recounts the events is intent on proving that Jesus was indeed the long-awaited promised Messiah and it goes on to quote the Old Testament and says Say to daughters, daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See here, Zion, Mount Zion is one of the hills upon which Jerusalem is actually built. The daughters of Zion is the city of Jerusalem itself. As though it actually came into being the city on which the foundation of Jerusalem is actually made. And so when we hear that, we hear talking about the, the people of Jerusalem, that city. And Jesus would come riding into that city with an attitude of gentleness and humility. He was not riding in on a, on a big war horse, great white stallion, as most kings would do. But he came mounted on a mere donkey, on a beast of burden, something that was used to carry goods here and there. You need to know how distinctive this king's attitude is. See, all of the people know that a king would come in in triumph on a horse and people would be cheering and they would, what they'd have is they'd have the king out the front on their big horse the, the army coming behind and then those who'd been enslaved following along 
And the army was there to enforce the people to go, Hallelujah, look at this one who has conquered you. Jesus doesn't do that. He rides in on this donkey and he's not forcing people through the armies to come and praise him. People just start to praise who Jesus is and it's infectious and people are just wanting to get caught up in the moment. See, Israel's great king, Israel's Messiah, the world's Messiah, the Almighty God came humbly and gently because his mission was to seek peace, to seek reconciliation of all the people of the world to himself, to God in him. His followers were the ones who praised him. See, when Jesus came in, it didn't matter that the people who were com- he was coming to, those people of Jerusalem at that point, were at odds with him. How many times in scriptures have you heard the Pharisees and the leaders of the, uh, of the people and the people themselves were upset because of what Jesus was saying, were at odds with him? They were the ones who were looking to kill him. But he still rides in there. He still comes in there. In peace. At odds because his heart is there for the people. You see, God's economy is different to ours. Because mercy always precedes justice. God's mercy always precedes God's justice. And this brings us to our second point on how we worship. The first that we come trusting and obeying our Lord and our Saviour. The second is, worship as it was meant to be follows the love of Jesus in humility and gentleness, love others impartially let us love those people around us regardless of differences regardless of whether they're sinful or not sinful regardless of rejection or violence love those who are around us this is this is a key to revival if we're willing to worship in that love in that humility in that gentleness this is a key to the church changing We completely and immediately come in obedience and we come with a love that binds us together. We boldly love those who have been unloved. I was at a meeting during the week and one of the questions, that were, one of the things that we were lamenting about at this time was that how certain elements of the church used to be within the church and now they're not they might be in another church or somewhere else and i said i said and i, I thought this is really interesting we, we we worry about those who once were and no longer and go to another church and we we want them back to here 
But I think what we really need to be is our hearts should be breaking. Our hearts should be aching for those who haven't heard yet, who are outside of the church, who are outside of God's love and care. Not that you were ever outside of God's love and care, but they don't know it. Our hearts should break for them and that will change. That will bring us to a point when we will worship differently, when we will truly worship God. See, our worship is open to all believers. More importantly, our worship is open to all who are struggling with their belief. It's open to all who have not yet known Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And this is actually something that we take seriously here. We want to have worship that actually does open up for those who are yet to believe. So we, at the New Beginnings, are really trying to strike a balance between holding on to what is traditional and yet moving to what is new so that we can show our love to all. So one of the biggest things we can do as a church is actually come to worship. Week in, week out. Because when we're here, when we're present, not only do we get the fellowship, not only do we get a message, not only do we sing and we worship, and we, but we start to influence those around us. We make an influence on our community. When we invite people to come to church, when we talk to people about coming and worshipping, That is important. When we are, ex- you know, the question I said early, are you excited about coming to worship? If you're excited about something, what do you do? Yeah, tell people, don't you? Are you excited about worship? And if the answer is yes, and, if you, and I heard people say yes, we should be telling people about coming to worship because it is something exciting. Do we remember the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25? Jesus tells the sheep and the goats that what they've done for him or what they haven't done for him. And I wonder if he'd say to us that we're, we're good and faithful disciples because we did spread the good news of Jesus Christ to all the world around us. Have we been encouraging those? Have we been speaking to those that we may not have met yet in our service today? Or have we stayed at home and not been a part of this worship? I think it's so important for us to realise that when we come here, sometimes emotions come into play with worship, with the nature of who we are. But what are we meant to do? We're meant to love others impartially. I have to say to you, love is not something that you always feel. It's not something, you know, you, I don't, tell me if I'm wrong, that there are times when you don't feel loved. Or do you feel loved the whole time? I think, you know, for the most part, people don't always feel loved. 
But love is not something that you always feel, but is always something that you can do. Notice the difference there. You may not actually feel loved at that moment, but it's something that you can do. It's within your power. You can love others around you. You can be intentional about what you do. And Jesus was intentional when he rode into Jerusalem in humility and gentleness. He was determined to love everybody from that point, giving his life over so that we may have new life with him. See, if we can't give somebody five minutes of our attention, five minutes of our love, five minutes to pray with them, care about them, then we may not actually be truly worshipping Jesus Christ as we should be. See, Jesus says, love the stranger, care for them. You know, we don't want anybody to come into our worship and go, no one talked to me. I came in and no one said hello. We want people to be noticed spontaneously, to come and say, hello, hello, how you been? It's great that you're here. We want the Holy Spirit to be working in people's lives and guiding them. Everybody today should be really excited about what's going on. What's going on in our church? What's going on in the world around us? Because God is moving. The Spirit of God is moving and we can feel it and we can tap into it. But I love how, as Jesus is coming in, there's this element of worship that people are taking their cloaks, their garments, and putting it out in front of him. You know, when, when somebody important comes, we, we go, well, let's roll out the red carpet. Anybody ever heard that expression? Rolling out the red carpet for, for an important person? Well, they didn't have a red carpet they could roll out for, you know, three kilometres. I don't know why not. They should, could have stitched one together, but no, they didn't. But what they did is they took their cloaks and they would, they would come and they put it there, but that's a long way to go and keep on putting that down. What they, you know, they put it down, Jesus would trot across and somebody, once they'd gone across, they'd grab it, run in front and put it down again. And then people got so enthused that they then started cutting down the branches of the palms and using that as well. People got caught up in the moment and started putting those palms and branches and garments down. It was an act of worship. It was an act of reverence. It was an act of saying, here is someone important. Do we get excited and caught up in the moment when we worship? Are we willing to shout? Are we willing to shout Hosanna to the son of David? Are we willing to lift our hands? Are we willing to just throw abandon in our worship and just really come in praise of God? See, they were recognising that Jesus was the Messiah. They were proclaiming that he was the Messiah to the top of their voices. Now, Hosanna means Lord save us. And as we put that in the context, as Lord save us in the highest, they were actually asking. They were appealing to God. God in flesh in Jesus Christ for their salvation. They were saying that the Messiah is coming, the Saviour, the Deliverer is here to save them. Now some would say there was, they were thinking there was going to be deliverance from the Roman 
empire, but it turned out to be much greater than that. Deliverance from sin, deliverance and the consequences of death. Their praise was fitting. It was all out. It was encompassing. It was wholehearted. And see, this brings me to my next point. Is worship as it was meant to be is actively and wholeheartedly exalts in praise in Jesus Christ. Notice this actively and wholeheartedly praises Jesus. And that's what we need to do. When we come in, let's actively and wholeheartedly praise our Lord. And you know what? When you do that, something inside of you changes. You actually start letting go of the hurt. You start letting go of the problems. You start letting go of this is not the way it used to be. And we start worshipping our Lord in a way that is just amazing. When we realise that that worship is to Jesus, is to God, who died on the cross, and we celebrate this at Easter, died on the cross for our sins, rose again to new life, is now at the right hand of our most high Lord Almighty, is interceding for you, then we should throw abandon and worship with our whole heart and our mind everything, our whole being. Let us actively and honestly come and praise our Lord. So what kind of attitude do we actually bring into worship? Do we complain about the songs? Do we say conservative or restraint? See, the first command is to love God with all your heart, with all your mind and all your soul. And if we're sitting on our hands and not even singing or during worship or we're grumbling about something or we're thinking about something else, then we are missing that point. We are not worshipping We're not loving God with all our hearts and all our souls. Where's the love? Where's the excitement? I want you to be excited. I want you to be enthralled that we're here. Do you know what we do or we don't do on Sunday morning in worship? It's contagious. If we don't sing, guess what? Those around us stop singing. If we start singing those around us start singing. It's contagious. Be brave. Be bold because God may be guiding you to do something amazing today. To sing praise to our Lord Almighty. With every breath that we take, let us praise the Lord. I want to come to my final little point. See, authentic worship actually stirs the interest of those around us. It stirs the interest of others. Why is it, and you can ask the question, why is it those that have churches that are growing, they have thriving worship? 
They have worship where people are excited to be there. They have worship when people go, you know, one of the things that I want to come to is there's a sense of God working in the midst of us. There's a sense God is there and present. There's a sense there's a new song, a new melody that's going to draw us in closer to our Lord. And see, that piques the interest of others around us. Why is it that these people are joyous? Why is it that these people are willing to give up time on their weekend to come to a point? Why is it that they sing praise? That they will say, Hosanna in the highest. Glory to our God. Praise his name. You know, authentic worship, worship that is coming out of this little passage of scripture that we've heard today, coming out of the, the way people responded, the actions that Jesus gave, give us three things that we need to come and obey completely. We need to trust. We need to love others impartially. And we need to praise our Lord wholeheartedly. And then when we do that, God is there, the Holy Spirit is there. And people will start to notice. People will start to be involved. So today, my prayer for you is that you may come and obey and trust our Lord Almighty. That you may love openly and wholeheartedly and impartially. That you will praise our Lord with abandon, wholeheartedly, amazingly, that we'll lift our voice, we'll lift our whole being to our Lord Almighty. Let us just pray today. A loving God, we, we give you thanks for today. We give you thanks that we have been able to be here. But Lord, we give you thanks because you challenge us you challenge us with Scripture. You challenge us with the Holy Spirit poking us and prodding us and drawing us closer to you and changing our understanding. We praise you today because we can come in truth. We can come in trust. We can come in obedience to worship you. We praise you today because we can love those around us. Lord, if there's a time when we're feeling unloved. Help us to open our hearts and love those around us. If there's a time when we are feeling extremely loved, Lord, open our hearts so that we may love those around us. If there's a time when we are ambivalent, Lord, open our hearts so that we may love those around us. And Lord, we give you thanks today that we can praise you. We can shout, Hosanna, we can praise you with all our very being, the fibres that are part of us, the voice that is within us. So let us worship you today. We ask this in your holy name. Amen.